0: Welcome to Paradox Walk Podcast, specializing in paranormal activity, UFOs, cryptids, unexplainable events, supernatural happenings, anything completely out of the ordinary. It is close to November of the year 2022. This is episode 16. Today we're going to be going over the Freemasons' total obsession with King Solomon of Israel. And a couple glitch things, some people being able to, not even necessarily like predict, but just get songs in their head that are going to be on the radio, and then they turn on the radio, and then they're there. Um, I have one report of a guy that started singing a song, and then when his wife turned on the radio, the song was at the part that was next after the lyrics that he sang. Pretty bizarre chances of that are beyond the trillions, I would imagine. At some points when I do my vocal editing in some of these parts, my voice is going to sound really, really different. It's because I was at a hockey game the night before, and our team won, and it was a really intense game, and we were all yelling the whole time. I also have a Masonic Bible, not because I'm a Mason, but because I found it at a thrift shop. It's so weird that the first, like, 200 pages of this, if you Go into the Bible, it's just a regular King James, but they preface this Bible as a Masonic thing with about 200 pages or so of just like sweating King Solomon this, King Solomon that, Hiram Abiff this, and we should do our works this way, and it's all about works, 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 works. Working your way to be like King Solomon and stuff like that. The point that the Christians bring up is that Jesus was supposed to be the ultimate sacrifice, so why would they be doing this? Since nothing like that needs to be done anymore for spiritual growth or whatever. I don't know much about the Freemasons, but from what I've heard, I guess they have Blue Lodges and Red Lodges, kind of like there's york right and scottish right i'm not gonna pretend like i know the difference between all that stuff but from what i've heard the blue lodges are in charge of like laws and space like making rules and taking charge of laws and rules and areas and physical stuff. And the Red Lodges are supposed, supposedly about uh, working with blood and time. I don't know if that's true or not. Maybe if somebody knows more about that than I do, they can comment. Or, But when you open these anything with uh, freemasonry like i'll just open any page like i just opened a random page here and it says king solomon's temple and citadel and like the complete series of illustrations they show the the plan of king solomon's temple the side elevation of the temple the northeast corner of the temple the banquet scene of uh, king solomon's palace The code that the Masons use is called a pig pen cipher because I had stopped at one of these. It wasn't a parade, but it was kind of like this little celebration outside one of the Masonic temples. And I saw this like wooden chest and it had all this code on it. Like one of my other friends said it looked like Braille. But eventually I figured it out that it's a pig pen cipher. And you can decipher it. And all of their things is about King Solomon, Hiram Abiff, or the King of Tyre. And I haven't heard anything positive about the King of Tyre. If you look at what he's supposed to represent, it's not very good. So that same friend that was kinda we're kinda working through like that pig pen cipher and this code and stuff, sent me a link to the audiobook of extra biblical stories of King Solomon and I'm gonna get into that today. Come to find out if if you get into these other stories of King Solomon, it's not that he was wise that they wanted you know, that these Freemasons wanna follow him or be like him It's because he was like the grand ultimate magician. He was the ruler of the complete world. He had control over animals, the winds, demons. He could control demons um, in some of these stories. He used demons to build the temple. If he had all these abilities, why would he need help to build the temple in the first place? King Solomon gets outsmarted in a few different ways in these stories. To point this out, I'm going to start reading at the marriage of Solomon. Um, This is about him marrying an Egyptian princess. But anyway, so he wanted to marry her. He waited till his teacher died, which is weird. So when his teacher died, Solomon took her to wife. I'm going to skip a lot around here. And that says Solomon's wedding feast is a larger celebration than the completion of the temple. And then on the nuptial night, What happens with this uh, princess is that she was trying to promote her Egyptian gods there. The pharaoh's daughter, which is the princess, the Egyptian princess, had her attendants play upon a thousand different musical instruments, which she had brought with her from her home. And as each one was used, the name of the idol, like the, the false god, to which it was dedicated, was mentioned aloud. And then it says this, "...the better to hold the king under the spell of her charms." she spread above his bed a tapestry cover studded with diamonds and pearls which gleamed and glittered like the constellations in the sky whenever solomon wanted to rise he saw these stars and thinking it was night still he slept on until the fourth hour of the morning now to me that sounds like just a total like magical spell to put somebody like sounds like she put him like in a coma like she wanted to take over the whole i mean if he's like the ruler of the whole world that, that makes the queen, like, she was the ruler of the whole world as long as that guy slept, right? Well, there, a couple things happened after that, so I'm going to keep reading. The people were plunged into grief, for the daily sacrifice could not be brought on this very morning of the temple dedication, because the temple keys lay under Solomon's pillow. So none dared awaken him. So they went and got his mom. His mom had to come and get, wake him up. She was the only one that could, like, break the spell or whatever. One of the things is mentioned in here that I looked up and I couldn't find anything was that it is mentioned that he had the knowledge of the 49 gates of wisdom that were open to Solomon as they had been to Moses. There's a lot of things about Moses that no one ever really talks about. Like he could do a lot of the magical stuff from Egypt. He was raised in Egypt and he uh, was gone to the school, like all those like weird Egyptian mystery schools and magic schools and stuff. And the part where he throws down his staff and and it turns into a snake. But Solomon could like do all these illusions and stuff too, which I'll get into in a little bit. But I looked up the 49 gates of wisdom and all I found was like these silly songs made out of it. And so they, like some witchcraft stuff from like John D. And what's the other guy, the weird one that called himself the beast, I forgot what his name was. But it's like, the other thing is it says is that that famous part in the Bible where the two women quarreled over the same child it says that the two women in this uh, story were not women at all, but spirits to show Solomon's wisdom to make that known throughout the land. I'll read on here. During the lifetime of David, when Solomon was still a lad, he had settled another difficult case in a brilliant way. A wealthy man sent his son on a business trip to africa on his return he found that his father had died in the meantime and the treasures had passed into the possession of a crafty slave who had succeeded in ridding himself of all the other slaves or intimidating them in vain the rightful heir urged his claim before the king david but as he could not bring any witnesses to testify for him there was no way of dispossessing the slave who likewise called himself the son of the deceased the child solomon heard the case and devised a method of arriving at the truth he had the father's corpse exhumed and he dyed one of the bones with the blood first of one then the other the blood of the slave showed no affinity to the bone while the blood of the true heir permeated it so the real son secured his inheritance did anybody out there know that blood from your actual heirs will permeate your bones i didn't know that is that a thing this one is weird. Uh, this is a quote. After his ascension to the throne, a quarrel among heirs was brought before Solomon's adjudication. Asmodeus, the king of demons, once said to Solomon, Thou art the wisest of men, yet I shall show thee something thou hast never seen. Thereupon Asmodeus stuck his finger in the ground, and up came a double-headed man. He was one of the Canaanites who live underground and are altogether different in nature and habit from the denizens. What's a denizen? Altogether different in nature and habit from, I guess, people that live around here, you know, the upper world. There's also a part here that the ladies won't like. So, quote, one man among a thousand I found, but a virtuous woman among all these I have not found. Solomon pledged himself to prove that he was right. He had his attendants seek out a married couple, enjoying a reputation for uprightness and virtue. The husband was cited before him. Solomon told him that he had decided to appoint him an exalted office. The king demanded only, as earnest of his loyalty, that he murder his wife, so that he might be free to marry the king's daughter, a spouse comporting with the dignity of of his new station with a heavy heart the man went home his despair grew at the sight of his fair wife and his little children though determined to do the king's bidding he lacked the courage to kill his wife while she was awake so he waited until she was tight asleep but then the child he saw that his child in his mother's arms and rekindled his parental and conjugal affection and he replaced the sword in his seat saying to himself even if the king were to offer me his whole realm i could not murder my wife so he told solomon his final decision A month later, Solomon sent for the wife and declared his love for her. He told her that their happiness could be consummated, but she would have to do away with her husband. Then she would be made first wife in his harem. Solomon gave her a leaden sword, which glittered as though fashioned of steel. The woman returned home, resolved to put the sword to his appointed use. Not a quiver of her eyelids betrayed her sinister purpose. On the contrary, by caressness and tender words, she sought to disarm any suspicion. In the night, she arose, drew forth the sword, and proceeded to kill her husband. The leaden instrument naturally did no harm, except to awaken her husband, to whom she had confessed her evil intent. The next day, both man and wife were summoned before the king, who thus convinced his counselors of the truth of his conviction that no dependence can be placed on a woman the other thing i was thinking of is like it was a blunted sword like it 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 would do no harm but when you looked at it or something or felt it it felt like it was sharp or something that's the only way i could think that this would be pulled off if this is real i mean i'm not saying any of this is like really happened I i have no idea i'm just reading it these are part of the magical things he could do There also was some of the people that he had working for him, when they were done with their service, sometimes Solomon would offer them either money or wisdom. He uh, teaches a man to learn the language of the animals. But the weird thing is, is that this is Solomon's quote after he gave him this knowledge. He said that there's a great danger connected with such knowledge. If thou tellest others a word of what thou hearest from an animal, thou would, surely suffer death that destruction is inevitable is that weird or what like why why is that a thing so this guy had animals like like a farmer or something i don't know so he learned the secret art and he heard all these things his animals were saying like <laughs> <laughs> it's just <laughs> um okay so quote he returned home he overheard a conversation between the ox and the ass the ass said brother how farest thou with these people the ox As thou livest, brother, I pass day and night in hard and painful toil. The ass, I can give thee relief, brother, if thou follow my advice. Thou liveth in comfort. Rid yourself of all the hard work. The ox, O brother, may thy heart be... (laughs) It's just ridiculous, is it not? Be inclined toward me and take pity on me and help me. I promise not to depart from thy vice, nor the right, nor the left. The ass, God knows I'm speaking thee the uprightness of my heart and the purity of my thoughts. My advice to thee is not to eat either straw or fodder that... This night, when our master notices it, he will suppose that thou art sick. He will put no burdensome work upon thee, and thou can take a good rest. That is what I did today. And the ox followed the advice of his companion. He touched none of the food. The master, suspecting a ruse on the part of the ass, arose during the night, went to the stable and watched the ass eat his fill from the manger belonging to the ox. He could not help laughing out loud, which greatly amassed his wife, who, of course, had nothing had noticed nothing out of the way the master evaded or questions. something ludicrous had just occurred to him he said by the way of explanation so he keeps like hearing all these things and it it starts cracking him up all the time and then his wife wants to know why he keeps laughing because it is ridiculous it's just it goes on and on like that and something ended up happening where i think the dog kind of saved his life or something in a weird way solomon commanded Every type of animal, and he could go send out his commands to them all, like like he used an eagle or some giant bird to go uh, either send messages and or to call forth all the animals to do his bidding for him. Queen of Sheba. At some point in the story, Solomon asks some kind of like bird or something, if there's anybody around that he doesn't have rule over the bird comes back telling him that there's this queen of sheba in this faraway land he sends a letter to her using this bird and the letter is like super threatening it's really like kind of awful like if you get a message like that the first thing the queen does is ask her advisors like who is this guy and they don't know later like i had an issue with that because later on she quizzes him. I guess that that was one of the things that people did with King Solomon is they like to um, give him riddles and stuff like that, like for fun. So when they meet up, she starts asking him riddles and stuff, and he figures them out. He has an answer for everything. But all of these riddles are about Jewish history. How could she, it seemed like her whole study was about Jewish history, but she didn't know the son of David. Like, to me, that just seems, it seems like somebody's making making that part up, at least, if not You know, like I said before, I'm not vouching for this story. I don't know if any of this is true or not, but it's just highly suspect when nobody has any idea who this guy is, but at the same time, they know his family tree, you know, his entire history. They knew all of the Jewish stories. So let's listen to the letter he writes when he's introducing himself to a queen, from me, King Solomon. The bird made it there and gave it to her. So from me, King Solomon, peace be with thee. Peace be the nobles of thy realm. Know that God has appointed me king over the beasts of the field, birds of the air, demons, spirits, and all the specters. All the kings of the east and the west come to bring me greetings. If thou wilt come and salute me, I shall show thee great honor. More than any of the kings that... It attend me but if thou wilt not pay homage to me i shall send out kings legions riders against thee thou ask who are these kings legions and riders of king solomon the beasts of the field are my kings the birds are my riders the demons the spirits and the shades of the night are my legions the demons will throttle you in your beds at night while the beasts will slay you in the field and the birds will consume your flesh what a friendly greeting right like hi well nice to meet you so she said it'll take seven years to get there. But she said, I'll try to hasten, make it quicker, and I'll try to make it to Jerusalem by the end of three years. If Solomon had all these things like magic carpets, the bird got there pretty quick, right? Why couldn't he, like he had all this wisdom, he couldn't send something to pick her up, like a magic carpet Uber? Why Why this huge time period? So the Queen of Sheba starts to get ready for all this stuff, right? She assembled all her ships of the sea and loaded them with the finest kinds of wood, pearls, precious stones. Together with these, she sent Solomon 6,000 youths and maidens born in the same year in the same month on the same day in the same hour. So if you're wondering why that would matter, what day, month, year, hour they were born, it's because Solomon kept track of everybody's time of birth, their astrological thing, and he could tell by the stars, the planets, like your. Uh, When you would die, when you would live, how much money you would make, uh, the type of person you would marry, if they would be rich or poor, all kinds of stuff like that. So that was a big deal to him, and that's why that's included in there. All of equal stature and size, all clothed in purple garments. Imagine you're just like a person, like living out your life, you're just kicking back one day and you're like drinking lemonade on your patio it's like the queen of sheba sends you a notice hey because of the day you were born sorry if you had any plans for your life you have to take this journey at the end of three years to be a servant of a king in a place you never heard of and do whatever he says for the rest of your life sorry about that oh yeah and there's going to be 5999 others just like you that i'm just going to rip away from their families their lives so how cool is that so the, she sent all these people with her on these ships, and then she arrives there. First of all, King Solomon sent a servant ahead of him to greet them as they got close. And this is what it says about that servant. His name was Benaya. was like unto the, f- the flush of the eastern sky at the break of day. He was like unto the evening star that outshines all others, like a lily growing by the brooks of the river. When the queen caught sight of him, she descended from her chariot to do him honor and He asked her, like, why did you get out of your chariot? She's like, aren't you King Solomon? Because he was like, I don't know, like this shining, beautiful thing. No, I'm just a servant. So then when she meets King Solomon, Benaiah conducted the queen to Solomon, who had gone to sit in a house of glass to receive her. The queen was deceived by an illusion. She thought that the king was sitting in the water. And as she stepped across the water to him, she raised her garment to keep it dry. On her bare feet, the king noticed hair, and he said to her, "'Thou beauty is the beauty of a woman, but thy hair is masculine. "'Hair is an ornament to a man, but it disfigures a woman.'" So that's the first thing he says to her, is, "'You got hairy legs.'" She comes all the way across, does all this stuff, makes this trip, sends him 6,000 people that she basically, in a nice word, you know, they say sent to him, but it's kind of like abducted, and sent him all these, like, riches and golden stuff, and he's like, hey, you got hairy legs. That's the first thing out of his mouth. Slap, but he's a king. You can't, right? I guess she's like the ruler of the south, like south of the whole world. So when he was building the temple, he ended up using, they claim that he had a ring that was given to him straight out of heaven by the archangel Michael. And he could control all these demons and stuff. And one of the demons outsmarted Solomon. Solomon. And launched him to a whole nother land, took the ring, and made himself an illusion that he was King Solomon. And I think that lasted seven years. I'm going to abridge the rest of these, but after he gets thrown across like to another land by this demon thing that stole his ring, uh, Solomon meets up with people... That don't know who he is but a couple of them do one guy's a rich guy that has him over to eat dinner and hang out at his house and stuff and the guy obviously Solomon is super depressed because he has no like standing in the community there he's a beggar he's you know basically like just poor and homeless the guy that gives him all this like makes him a banquet just starts talking about how awesome his kingdom was and in the past you know like how great everything was but offers him no comfort besides, you know, like the food in the house. And then later on, Solomon goes to a poor man's house and the poor guy can't give him a lot of food or any kind of like physical comforts, but he starts reassuring Solomon that he'll get his kingdom back. Right. He's like, well, God made a promise. I guess he quotes like a a promise in the Torah or something that I don't remember every word. And that kind of cheered him up. Right. So, so Solomon is attributed to writing a lot of proverbs and they believe in ecclesiastics like a lot of these are attributed to solomon uh solomon had to go seven years like without i mean imagine getting all that ripped away from you it's just strange that he couldn't like, with all his wisdom and knowledge, he couldn't start doing all these magic things again, like the illusions and the ma- what happened to his magic carpet. What what about talking to animals? Like he couldn't ride an animal. He couldn't speak to the animals anymore. That's so. That's why some of these things I I have. I don't know how much of this is true because some of it doesn't make sense. He should have the ability to talk to animals and get them to do what he wants i thought he was in control of the spirits and stuff can't any of these things help him why is he so helpless just because he gets thrown to another country these are some of the questions i would have about that so i'll keep going the temple a big part of this he used the demons with that magic ring so eventually he gets that ring back i think the demon throws it in the sea and somebody finds it in a fish and solomon puts it back on and all of a sudden it's like like you know he forms voltron back right he just has all his power back you know a lot of solomon's abilities aren't attributed to this one ring it's not like he puts on this ring and he gets all his like wisdom it's strange the throne so the throne is some kind of technological wonder the throne is uh put together by some of the highest like uh like work ever seen it's put together with like marble jeweled with emeralds rubies pearls all manners of gems it has 6 steps and on each step there's a golden lion, golden eagle. It says all these things. I don't know if there's an extra line. It says a lion and an eagle to the left, a lion and eagle to the right, standing face to face. The right paw of the lion is opposite the left wing. They have all these things and then as as somebody walks up to the throne, um, it seems like these these animals can like protect it from somebody that isn't that doesn't follow the rules of kingship or something like that. So it says, like, as somebody approaches the machinery, so they call this actual, like, machinery, like, um, like tech. The machinery of the throne rumbled, the wheels turned, the ox loud, I don't know what loud means, it's L-O-W-E-D. The lion roared, the wolf howled, the lamb bleated, the leopard growled, the goat cried, the falcon screamed, the peacock gobbled, the cock crowed, the hawk screeched, the sparrow chirped. So there's all these things to terrify the witness and to keep them from giving false testimony. When Solomon set foot upon the first step to ascend the seat, its machinery was put into motion. The golden ox arose and led him to the second step, and there it passed him over to the care of the beast guarding it. And he was conducted step to step to the sixth, where the eagles received him and placed him upon his seat. One of the jobs of these, like, animal creatures, or, like, all of these animal creatures, was to protect the throne from, like, a like a king trying to go up there like some of them like bashed other kings and like smashed them to the ground and stuff after solomon died and other kings tried to use the throne like it they hit him and stuff as soon he was as soon as he was seated the great eagle set the royal crown upon his head and a huge snake rolled itself up against the machinery forcing the lions and eagles upward until they encircled the head of the king so there's like all this stuff it's all kinds of stuff it was the task of the seven hurls to keep solomon reminded of his duties of king and judge check this out there's law for the kings he shall not multiply wives unto himself well solomon they say he had like 700 wives right and the second step he shall not multiply horses to himself it says that solomon had a bunch of horses at third the next one neither shall he greatly multiply to himself silver and gold it says that solomon was like the richest person ever at the fourth thou shall not rest judgment not be a respecter of persons there's all these other things he shall not take a gift like you you know like be a fair judge there was all kinds of things the other one's kind of funny so he's flying around on his magic carpet he picks up an ant and Solomon sa- says, "Is there anyone greater in all the world?" Yes, said the ant. Oh, it's the queen of the ants, right? That make no mistake. Solomon, who ant? I am Solomon. How is that possible? Ant, if I were not greater than thou, God would not have let thee hither to put me on thy hand. Exasperated, Solomon threw it to the ground and said, "Knowest thou who I am? I am Solomon, the son of David." Not at all intimidated, the ant reminded the king of his earthly origin and. A- admonished him to humility and the king went off abashed my question would be how did we get this transcription of this conversation between solomon and the ant because i thought the rule was if somebody could talk to the animals they weren't allowed to disclose what they heard to a human being it would kill them right that's one of the rules from before there's another part where solomon works really hard to get into some kind of a, like building that he found or something and he, he couldn't get in and then when he finally found the way in he finds a lifelike statue and it had all these like characters and he couldn't read it and then uh, finally somebody came and told him that these letters are greek and he translated it for king solomon and it says i shadad ben Ad. i don't know who that is but he tells who he is ruled over a thousand thousand provinces rode on a thousand thousand horses had a thousand thousand kings under me and slew a thousand thousand heroes and when the angel of death approached me i was powerless that's one of the last parts there's a lot more to this but i don't i don't want to make this podcast into like split up into a whole bunch of parts but um yeah check it out i'm reading from sacred-text.com and there's a lot a lot of this stuff but you click on solomon and and he has a lot of this it's a it's a pretty decent read um, there's audiobooks on on this too as well you can check out i thought that this was an interesting little glitch that somebody talked about and I kind of put a little answer to it this is somebody I don't know they just posted this on one of these glitch in the matrix forums on Reddit so I believe this was a, a random very lucky coincidence but this is what happened today we were in the car and I started singing an old tune from the 1980s and he quotes it one night in Bangkok and the world's your oyster at this point my spouse turned the car radio on And the song continued from that exact spot. The bars are temples, but the pearls ain't free. We spent the next 20 minutes trying to figure out how the hell that happened. Did I hear a random radio that was tuned to the same station, but we were on the highway? Was our radio glitching and it was on the whole time, but at such a low volume I could not consciously hear it, but maybe I did hear it on a subconscious level? I have no idea. Well, I'm just going to read my answer because it seemed to kind of fit. So I wrote here, there's quote there's a section in Aquarian Conspiracy that's a book by uh, her name is Ferguson Aquarian Conspiracy where she talks about doctors studying the brain and consciousness one of the parts of either chapter six or seven I'm not sure which one which one mentions that they conclude that the brain itself acts more like a radio than an, like an organ in the body one of the doctors mentions a part of the brain that acts like a dial tuner before cell phones in the 1990s, FM radio was a thing when driving, and for some reason, and I oftentimes had that song kind of stuck in my head moments before turning to the radio station that was playing it. Even songs I didn't necessarily like or enjoy, or songs that were played a lot. But oftentimes it was slightly before the song started playing on the radio. Like I would have the song in my head, then turn the station and hear the intro of said song. So it wasn't radio waves, it was just weird. It happened constantly in the 90s until the 3 millimeter jack was invented. We kind of talk about something else. Then it goes on to, anyways, it was weird. I just wish there was something useful to come out of it or be able to control it. But no, it was just random. I'd like to thank everybody for checking out the podcast. My Patreon is patreon.com/slash paradoxwalk. The music is downbeat 88. The intro track is called The Dark. The outro is called Moment of Peace. And remember to click the RSS feed if you want to put it into your app and just have every episode pop up. All right. Well, I'd like to thank my first Patreon, Roxy, and thanks a lot. And I'm also on Amazon Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube and BitChute. All right. Have a good day. Thanks for listening. Bye.